Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Come on, we are ready for the Word of God to dive deep. Before I get to reading, though, I got to share some good news with you guys. I got to give you another update on the BTI. Y'all ready for this? Which is Believe the Impossible, the building fund for our new home. Over the past week, we were able to raise a little over $400,000. Come on, in the last four weeks, it's going up and up, and we're getting closer and closer to our first goal of raising $750,000. Look at God. You know what I mean? Look to somebody next to you and say, God's got this. God's moving in this place. Y'all know I'm excited when my voice gets high, so I do apologize for that. But God is moving, and I want to thank you all for your faithful giving. Thank you all as well online for your faithful giving, for believing in the vision. Now, today, though, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, we're taking a shift from the Growing Pain series. We're starting a new series today titled, you ready for this? Hard to Forgive. Hard to Forgive. Because the truth is, we all want forgiveness, but it's really hard to give out. We all want forgiveness from the Lord, from other people, but it's really hard to give out, especially when somebody has cheated on you. Especially when somebody has taken your heart and ripped it into pieces, those that have lied to you, betrayed you, and even stolen from you. And to the world's standards, it seems crazy to forgive a person like that. Especially if you did no wrong to them, especially if you were loyal to them and you served them, but they still betrayed you. And maybe you're asking the question, why should I forgive them? Why should I forgive anybody else? It doesn't make sense. And I get it, according to the worldly standards that we live in, our culture. But the bigger question is, is what did Jesus say? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But here it is. But if you refuse to forgive those that have sinned against you, your Father will not forgive you of your your sins. Because unforgiveness and punishment is the language of hell, not of heaven unforgiveness and betrayal and trying to get somebody back, taking revenge. It's the language of the devil, not of God, because every time God shows up in your situation, he knows that you have failed, but he still offers grace to pick you back up and lead you into the promise. But when you hear the voice of the devil, what's it sound like? It's condemnation. You're never going to have any hope for your future. Life is never going to get better. All you're going to receive is punishment. So go ahead and get the revenge that you want. Jesus is trying to free us from those voices. To lead us towards the truth. Now, okay, here's a harder one. You ready for this one? We don't like this one that much. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And a lot of us would like to stop right there. Okay, Jesus just gave me permission to punch somebody in the face. All right? Say something about me. I'll come at you. But then Jesus said, but I say, notice that he said this. He said, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, mm, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly. <laughs> Offer the other cheek also. You want to say, come on, Jesus. Like the tooth for a tooth thing, the eye for eye, that sounded good. And you're telling me to give my other cheek if somebody hurts me, somebody insults me, somebody comes after me. And what you have to understand is that in the time, they were changing the Mosaic law. They were twisting the law to get the revenge that they wanted on people because the Mosaic law, when it came to this, was not about personal vengeance. It was about capital punishment. 
It was not about your personal relationships. It was about capital punishment instead. But people were twisting this scripture to get what they wanted, and they wanted revenge on people. And so what I need you to understand is this. Jesus is teaching us how to have freedom from our toxic behaviors, from our bad behaviors. Just because somebody hurts you doesn't mean you have to hurt them back in the same way. Doesn't mean that you have to get revenge because that's going to replay in your mind all day long. How do I get them back? How do I make them suffer? How do I make them cry the way they made me cry? How do I break their heart the same way they broke my heart? And a lot of us, when we go through with those plans, it doesn't make you feel better. There's still a hold there. There's still something missing, but it's very difficult to do. You see that comment on social media, maybe your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you just want to say something. And you believe that it's very poetic and people are going to share this and people are going to like this. But instead, the Holy Spirit's like, no, let me handle this. It's very difficult. When somebody yells, I hate you, what do you do? That's hard. Somebody yelled at you and said, I hate you. It's very easy to be like, well, I hate you back. I hated you first, you know, and you're saying all these things. But if you say the same things that are coming out of their mouth, then you're just like them or you're becoming just like them. And so you're starting to become like the people you can't stand instead of listening to Jesus and being more like Jesus, who you want to live more like. And so Jesus, again, is teaching us how to have freedom from our bad behaviors just because they hurt you doesn't mean you have to hurt them back. We know that to be true, but it doesn't make it easy. Let's be honest. It doesn't make it easy, especially in those emotional times where anger is getting the best of you and you could feel like anger grab a hold of your mouth just wanting to say something. It's hard. It's difficult. But you have to trust the Lord, and you have to give it over to him, and the Holy Spirit will help you overcome these things. And so as I was praying about this message, I prayed to the Lord to help me help you be able to move on, to let go, and truly forgive. And I believe by the end of this week, or maybe by the end of the series, you're going to be able to give, forgive some people you never thought you'd be able to forgive. And let go of some things so that you will be able to grow in all that God has for you. But the title of today's message is this. It is hard to forgive those you have served. It's hard to forgive those that you have served, those that you have dedicated your life to. You did everything for them. You were loyal to them, but they still stabbed you in the back and betrayed you. And I told you that we're going to be looking at the life of King David and learning from David. I love his story. Uh, I said a week ago, you know, he was a talented musician and he was a strong warrior. He can knock you out and steal your girl at the same time. All right, you better watch out for a King David if he comes into the room. But at the same time, we can learn a lot from his victories because he had a lot, but he had a lot of moral failures. And we can learn from his moral failures as well. And so let me give you some background information first. When David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, did you know that he was around 15 years of age? 15 years old. Imagine hearing that at 15. I'm going to be the next king. All right, peasants. You know what I mean? Like, you want to say all these different things. And he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. The only problem was there was already a king over Israel. And his name was Saul. And Saul allowed his anointing and his position to get to his head. He no longer was living to please God. He was living to please people. Big mistake. And so because he was living to please people, which he never truly pleased the people, he rebelled against God and he lost all of the promises, all of the blessings because he would not follow the Lord. The same is for us today. It's very easy to say my way is better. This relationship is what I want right now. God, I'll listen to you later. This job is what I want right now. There is a pay increase. Why should I not take this job? And we're doing things that seem right in the moment, 
pleasing people, trying to get that status, trying to get that position. And we're actually losing the blessings that God has over your life. And so I want you to hear these very powerful words that Samuel spoke about Saul. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and 23. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifices. Verse 23, rebellion, now this is powerful, is as sinful as witchcraft. And this is a little bit of a review. We talked about this not that long ago, but rebellion, not listening to the Lord, is as sinful as witchcraft. Stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. And because you have rejected the commands of the Lord, the ways of God, then he has rejected you as king. Meaning, when you reject God's word over your life, the blessings of God reject you. The promises of God start to reject you because you walked away from the promise to do your own thing. And it's so tiresome trying to please everybody around you who will love you one day and not like you the next day. It's so tiresome, but I'm telling you, you could build your life upon Christ and he would never abandon you ever. And so the Bible tells us that this whole situation happened. And so Samuel finds David, and the moment he anoints David, it says that the Holy Spirit left King Saul and came upon David for the rest of his life. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Good news. But then you see verse 14. And you notice that there was a shift in Saul's life because he wanted to live for people. He lost the hand of protection that used to be over him. And so listen to this. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him again with depression and fear, helping us to realize that depression can be a spiritual attack in your life. Fear and anxiety and stress can also be a spiritual attack in your life. And now Saul is going through madness. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to think, and he's searching for just someone, somebody who can help bring him relief, that can help rescue him from the demons in his life. Isn't that why we show up to church? We come here to praise God, and at the same time, we're saying, God, please rescue me from the demons. These demons that torment me right now, there's a demon of anger in my life and I just can feel myself lose control. But right now there's a demon of lust in my life and I don't know how to get over it because I've been consumed with this for the last 10 years that I don't know how to be free. Or maybe there's an addiction or maybe there's pride or maybe you're looking to everything else in this world and you're saying these demons are attacking me, Jesus. I need you to save me. And I wanna encourage you, the moment you run to Jesus, the demons have to leave. There is freedom. But it's also a process because, listen, there needs to be spiritual maturity, and we just talked about that. Because guess what? Jesus can free you today, but you can go back into that world and do the same things over and over again, allowing the door to be open for the same demons and their friends to come into your life. And so there has to be growth. There has to be a change, a a mind change that takes place over your life. And Saul would not change because why? He was wanting to please people instead. So now he needed somebody to help him. And this leads me to my first point, which is this. Jealousy will never make room for another. The spirit of jealousy, if you are consumed with jealousy, jealousy will never make room for another. If you want to kill all the relationships that you have right now, allow jealousy to come in. Because then you'll start to desire the things that you don't have. You'll start to be angry over things that you do have, and you'll always covet 
around you, and people don't want to be around that. But let's continue the story here. I'm going to show you what I mean by this. Verse 15 and 16. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Now, notice this too. His servants even recognized a demonic spirit on his life. His servants recognized that there was a darkness on Saul's life. And there are some people in your life that you could probably think of right now that had the same darkness. When they show up into the room, you can feel that darkness over their life, or you can feel it in your house when they show up. And so my question for you is this, when's the last time you prayed over them? Well, pastor, I don't know if they'll like that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know how many times I've come up to people and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, cool. All right, in Jesus' name, you know, and I pray for them. And, and sometimes God will speak through you something significant. And they're like, I needed to hear that. I didn't even want the prayer. I'm like, listen, you didn't know you needed the prayer. But God sent me here in this situation, and God has sent you to also release people from the demons tormenting them. Sometimes they don't know it, though. And so when you speak the name of Jesus, you see them become free. And so the servants recognized that there was a demonic spirit upon Saul, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. Verse 18 and 19. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, he's a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior. He's a man of war. He has good judgment, and he's also a fine-looking man. Now notice this. The Lord is with him. So as the servants recognized a demon that was upon Saul's life, guess what? They also recognized the presence of God that was on David's life. And some positions in your life right now, you have no idea who has given you the promotion, who has given you the position because they see God's favor in your life. Because you've been called to be a light in the darkness. You have no idea how God has called you to be a help for other people. There's something different about you because you know real love. God is love. People can't find that in the world. And they're looking for it in other relationships. They're looking for it in friendships. They're looking for it in a status, but they're not going to find it. But they may see Jesus through you. And so God's going to give you the right opportunities at the right times, meaning you have to trust him when the door opens. And stop trying to force the door open. Sometimes it's not meant to open. Or sometimes it's not right now. And we talked about that. You got to trust him in the process. And so now he's, he's looking for David, and David comes. And David already, already has this reputation, mighty warrior, worship leader. But now he gets a new reputation that when he leads you into the presence of God, demons have to go. Demons have to flee. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul. And, and let me clarify this. Okay, when it says the tormenting spirit that came from God, it just means that God took his hand of protection off of Saul. Saul wanted to live this way anyway. So God said, okay, I'll take my hand of protection off of you and you can allow some demons in your life and see if you like that better. And so David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Why would the tormenting spirit go away? Because that demon saw the spirit of God on David. See, when you show up into the room, we're talking about spiritual warfare here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, sometimes you're not fighting the person, you're fighting a spiritual fight. And those demons think that they're all puffed up upon this person until you show up with the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is all over you like, oh, you don't want to go here. You don't want to mess with this person that he's been praying all morning. So you've been praying all night. You're not ready for this battle. And the Holy Spirit will torment the demons trying to torment you. Oh, I'm getting excited. I'm sorry. God is moving, though. And, and, and so we see this. And so now, looking at the story, like everything's good. 
David just had the position. God set it all up. And now David is the man in Saul's eyes. He even gets the promotion. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21, Saul loved David very much. And so David became his armor bearer. Everything was great. The situation was wonderful. The friendship was there. They honored each other. But it's at the end of the story. Everything was good until a spirit came in. It was a new spirit, though. And this was the spirit of jealousy. And, and jealousy wanted to team up with the depression that was already in Saul's life. And I have noticed as a pastor, and even in my own life, where there is depression, usually there is a root of jealousy. Why? Because you don't have the things you think you want. You don't have the relationship right now, and you're tired of being single, and you're complaining to God. But God is saying, listen, if you go into that relationship, you already know it's bad. And you already know that you're going to be damaged, but you just want to give in to temptation. Why? Because you're experiencing loneliness. But if you understood my word, you know that you would never be lonely in my presence. And so there's things in our life that we have to grow through. And, and sometimes the depression in our life is based off a root of jealousy, the things that we don't have, because jealousy will always come to steal your joy. We've heard that about comparison, right? We're comparing things. It steals our joy. We don't have what other people have. Guess what? You never will. Even when you have more, somebody else is going to have more. You want to live your life like that? Constantly grinding, constantly being tired over what somebody else has and not enjoying what God has given you. It's tires. And that's not the life that God has given you. The first Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 9, tells us when jealousy started to creep in. And, and I noticed that it wasn't through the mouth of David. It was through the mouth of others. David would go out and fight against the Philistines. And on the way home after battles, because he had victory, women in every town in Israel would come out to meet him. And they sang and they danced for joy as they played the tambourines in their lives. They did this right in front of Saul. And the women sang, I'm gonna try to sing this. Saul killed his thousands and David killed his tens of thousands. I'm sorry, I'm trying to rap a little bit. That's not working. I don't know how they sang it. But they sang, Saul killed his thousands. David, I don't know what kind of dance I'm doing either, but... David killed his tens of thousands. They sang it somehow. I don't know. But they sang it. And the song upset Saul, and he became angry. Now, listen to what's happening in his head. And, and this is what happens when we leave open doors to jealousy. Now, because people talk, we start planting ideas in our head that's not even reality. You know somebody like that, or maybe that's happened to you, where they're, they're playing this, this whole scenery in their head, this scene in their head that hasn't even happened? Like they're mad at you. They're, they're saying that you're probably planning something against them when the only thing you're thinking of is fried chicken. Like you, you have no clue what's going on in their life. It says, it says all of a sudden he, he thought, a thought process started to take place. And he said, the women give David credit for killing tens of thousands of the enemy. And they give me credit for only thousands. Listen to the wording here. Saul had a big accomplishment. He killed thousands in war. He was still a mighty warrior, but because somebody else did better, he saw what he reached his goal as insignificant. And all of a sudden, he wasn't content with what he had achieved because people are talking about what somebody else has achieved that is greater than his. And we do this in our life so much. And so we said, they're going to give credits to him. And then he said, a little more of this, and they're going to give him the kingdom itself. See, here's where the insecurities come out. Because Saul already knew. What did he do? He disobeyed the Lord. He didn't run to God. And Samuel told him, listen, your kingdom's going to be taken away from you. 
What you have today is going to be taken away from you. And jealousy creeps in. And now he's afraid of every person he meets. Is he going to be the person? Are you going to be the one that try to steal my position, steal my kingship? Is it David? Because now they're singing about David. David was protecting Saul. David was loyal to Saul. But now because of these demonic thoughts in his head, he's at war with David. It's a spiritual fight. And from that time on, listen to this, Saul watched David very closely. Every move that he made. And it's crazy to me how we can be content with what we have until we hear other people talk about what we don't have. And jealousy will whisper in your ear and tell you you should be threatened by that. You should be threatened by their position, their big house, or what they're able to do for the Lord. And so the insecurities come out. But the truth is, if you're living for people, you will never be satisfied, like I said. If you're living for people instead of God, you will always be let down because people will always talk about others eventually. There's always going to be somebody new, some new situation that's taking place. And so again, you're wearing yourself out. There's disorder in your life. And listen, there's unrest. Did you know that the Bible says that? When jealousy creeps into your life, you can't rest. James chapter 3, verse 16. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, and these things exist, there is disorder. Another word for that disorder is unrest. You're not able to relax. You're not able to give it over to the Lord. You're not able to just trust him. You're trying to control everything and manipulate people to get what you want. And because you manipulated people, you ruined your friendships because nobody trusts you anymore. It's rebellion. And then it says, and it causes every evil thing, you know, morally degrading practice into your life when you try to live to please people. But when you build your life on Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, there is freedom in that. There's freedom from your emotions. There's freedom from what people think about you. Meaning you could do the will of God and be unbothered by the insults that come at you. That's what Jesus was also saying with turn the other cheek. Again, you can just keep moving into the promise that God has for you. And I think I said this last week. Your job is to do the mission of God, not to convince your critics you're a good person. Because they're never going to believe you're a good person. In fact, none of us are good anyway. Only Jesus is good. Only Jesus is perfect. And now, because of jealousy, though, jealousy takes over. What happened after Saul was consumed by jealousy? An altercation. And this altercation changed the relationship forever, changed the friendship forever. And it's hard, which means this, jealousy will damage your relationships forever. And as I was going over the sermon this morning, I was reminded of a story of my own that I felt like the Lord told me to speak today. And when I was in high school, I had a good friend. We were very close uh, but over time, being young and dumb, uh, jealousy crept in, situation happened, and we no longer were friends. And it's crazy that when jealousy starts to consume the relationship, instead of being close, now all of a sudden you become enemies with the people that used to be there for you, that used to could trust and always had your back, but now they're stabbing you in the back. And so I remember just, just going through a lot of hate, a lot of drama, a lot of things, especially in, the, in my time in high school. Like, it was, it was difficult. And over the years, I felt conviction from the Lord. Hey, you need to reach out to him again and just say, you know what? I let it go. I'm sorry. I love you. And I wish the best for you. But I never listened to that voice. I'll be honest with you. So many times, God placed it on my heart. I didn't listen. And then later on, I found out he was murdered. And so here's what jealousy does. It creeps into the relationships that you once had that were good. 
the relationships that you once had that were full of trust, and it divides you two against each other, and now you're fighting people instead of Satan. You're fighting against each other instead of the demonic powers that come against you. And for a lot of us, we're so stubborn. We don't listen to God, but they did me wrong. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you need to just listen to the Lord. Every time you need to listen to the Lord so that there could be healing before time is up. Because you never know what's going to happen in your situation. And I gave that over to the Lord, but I'm saying this to you today. If there is jealousy in a relationship that has caused a divide, give it over to the Lord today before it's too late. Before it's too late, jealousy wants to damage your relationships forever. And now we see even in this story that everything changed for David and King Saul. And so this leads me to point number two, which is this. It's more of a question. And the question is this, who are you fighting? Who are you really fighting? Let me also ask you this. If all your relationships are falling apart right now, then maybe are you angry at something on the inside of you and taking it out on people instead? Maybe there's some insecurities on the inside and you're taking it out on other people. Look at this crazy situation that happened next right after jealousy consumed Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 10. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul and he raved madly inside of his house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. And there was a spear in Saul's hand. So I want you to imagine the scenario right here. David is playing the harp. I don't know how to hold a harp. I told the first service that as well. I don't know if this is how you play a harp. This is just what I see in my mind. So he's playing the harp, and then it says, as usual, meaning the same man that took down giants and led the, the army of Israel is still serving the king he was called to replace. Talk about serving someone, knowing that that's the position that was meant for David because the Lord had left Saul. Saul was not going to make good decisions, but still he served him because God had not removed him yet. And so Saul and David, excuse me, David's over here with his hand on the harp. He's playing the harp. And now I want you to picture Saul. Saul's in the corner like a creeper holding a spear. And he's just talking to himself. Like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what he's saying. But he's over there just talking to himself. Like, let me ask you this question. David has his hand on the harp. Would you be playing the harp? This man has a spear in his hand. He's talking to himself, and he's looking right at you. Would you keep playing the harp? For me, if I was a worship leader, I'd say, you know what? This is a good time to raise our hands. Um, we need to let go of something. Let go, Saul, of the spear and give it over to the Lord. And eventually, Saul did let go of the spear because he threw it at David's head. David was being loyal to him. Verse 11, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he thought, you know what? I'm gonna pin David to the wall. So he threw the spear once. He threw it twice, which tells us that David ducked from the spear and just kept playing. <laughs> now, you okay, Saul? You doing okay today? It seems like something's, something's a little different today, okay? And he throws it again. David kept serving until God said it's time to go. David said, this is still your position, even though I've anointed you for better. Keep serving him, but God, he's attacking me. You ever felt like that in the position? Like, God, you, you placed me here, but they're attacking me. They keep throwing spears at my head. These insults keep coming at me over and over again. What did David do? He ducked and he kept playing. He moved out of the way. Imagine if you lived that way. Oh, you got an insult? Okay, <laughs> you missed, <laughs> you know? 
Oh, you don't like me? Oh, you missed. I'm going to still play for you. You, you. you got something against me? Oh, <laughs> that one almost got me. You know, like, you're able to move past this. And again, this is what Jesus is talking about, the turn the other cheek thing. He's saying, this is freedom. Like, they keep throwing stuff at you, but they can't hit you because no weapon formed against me shall stand. Because the hand of God is in your life. The Holy Spirit is there. And a hedge of protection is over you, protecting your mind, giving you peace when it doesn't make sense. David, I believe, had peace. Isn't that crazy? Saul did not. But Saul had the upper hand. He had a spear. Did he have the upper hand? Verse 12, look at this. The Lord had left Saul and now was with David. So Saul was afraid of David. Saul, who had his hand on a spear, is afraid of a man who has his hand on a harp. Why is that? Because he understands that there was another hand in the room. There's a hand of God upon David. There is a hedge of protection upon him. And so Saul cannot touch him. Saul is actually afraid of David, but he's taking it out on David, trying to get him out of the way. That's what happens in our life. We have some insecurities, things that we're afraid of. And so we just want to take it out. Maybe it's a relationship, like you're starting to get closer in a relationship, and all of a sudden you just want to move it away. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid to get too close now. I want my walls back up and make sure that I know what I'm doing. We're trying to control everything. But he understood that there was the hand of God upon his life. Let me encourage you today. Right now, you may go through a battle. Maybe it's in your marriage and you feel like everything is falling apart. Listen, as you pray, it's not all on you. The hand of God is still there. The hand of God is on you. When you feel financially like everything is falling apart, maybe you have lost your job and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. The hand of God is still there. And he's protecting you from all the things, all the darts that the enemy is throwing at you. And you're able to protect yourself by what? The shield of faith. Remember that? What does that mean? It means I'm able to walk by faith. Boop, boop, boop. And that's me dodging arrows, I guess. Um, but you're able to keep walking. Unbothered. And notice it was the enemy that was bothered. David kept serving, which means David trusted the Lord. But Saul had a problem with himself, and he took it out on David. And that's what we do. You have a hard day at work, you take it out on your spouse. You yell at your spouse, call her names, call him names. You have a stressful day with people, and so maybe you're, you're screaming at your kids. And you don't like to scream at your kids, but it's all you got left. And every time you scream at them, you feel bad for the things that you said, but you don't know how to get away from it because it just comes out of you every single time because there's things on the inside that you're not giving over to the Lord. Maybe you like to put people down because that's how you feel about yourself. And so you believe if you put people down, if you make them feel this way, they can feel the way you feel on the inside. You want to make them feel what you feel, and you're struggling these insecurities on the inside instead of giving it over to the Lord, and you're attacking the people you need the most. You're attacking the people that you love, and you're driving everyone away. This is what jealousy does. The crazy thing is, is that um, Saul needed David. David was bringing him victory. But not only that, listen to this. David was allowing him to receive healing ministry. And he attacked the ministry that was bringing him healing. And I see that a lot within the church too. People start attacking the ministry that brought them healing, that brought them salvation in the first place because they don't understand some of the things in their life due to jealousy. Saul threw the spear twice. 1 Samuel 18, 11. David still came back. David still served until, listen, the third time. Yes, there was a third time that Saul threw a spear at David. 
meaning. Here's a realization for us all. If we do not hand over our toxic behaviors to God, they will keep repeating themselves no matter how many times we say we are sorry to people. I don't know if you know this about Saul because we see him as a villain very easily, but Saul was always sorry. Have you noticed that about his personality? He was always sorry. When he realized that David wasn't trying to hurt him, he would say, sorry, David. And every time David made him look foolish because he could have killed Saul instead, but every time he forgave him, and Saul's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But jealousy would ruin him because he didn't know how to give his toxic behaviors over to the Lord. No matter how many times he said he was sorry to people, he wasn't sorry with God. So he wasn't freed from it. 1 Samuel 19, 9 and 10. The same bad environment as before. Later in Saul's house, David was playing the harp. Saul was there with a spear in his hand. I mean, deja vu, you know what I mean? (laughs) Then an evil spear from the Lord came upon Saul. Saul threw his spear at David, tried to pin him to the wall. David jumped out of the way, so the spear missed him, stuck in the wall. And that night, David ran away. God has said, okay, it's time to leave. Looking at the story, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. Where's the story where David throws the spear back? Because if you plan to throw something at David, you better plan to hit him. Because if you miss, David doesn't miss. You throw something at him. And so I want you to understand, like, the spear is behind David. It's in the wall. He could grab the spear and throw it right back. Hurt me one time? Okay. (laughs) All right, we'll, we'll move past this. Hurt me two times? All right, we got some trust issues now. I'm seeing some patterns in your life. You keep throwing things at me. Hurt me three times, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. David could have grabbed the spear and said, you know what? It's over. Time to take revenge. But he did not. Instead, he waited on the Lord. Isn't that crazy that he waited on the Lord and he did not return back to the palace until he was king? And I realize there's a revelation here. What did David do? He played worship. He was a worship leader. When he played worship, not only did the... uh, The presence of God protect him, but the presence of God also protected his decisions. Instead of of being led by his emotions, his emotional state of anger, frustration, revenge, he listened to the Lord, and he was able to understand this very big concept. Saul would not be able to kill who God had crowned. Saul was not able to kill who God had crowned. Saul would not be able to take away who God had already anointed. And so the same is for your life. God may speak a promise over you, anoint you for something special. It doesn't matter what they said. You understand? It doesn't matter how many times they came against you. It doesn't matter how many attacks they have. All that matters is what God spoke over you. Keep moving. Keep dodging the spears, walking into the promise of God. And at the right time, you'll return back at the palace in the position that God spoke over your life. Not only that, but David understood, this is harder. It was God who placed Saul on the throne, and it would be God who would take him off the throne. It was not up to David, and it's not up to you. It's not up to you to manipulate people, to remove people, to mess up people's lives because you want something. God is saying, listen, trust me, have faith, and in the right timing, I will move them out of the way, even when they've tried to hurt you and come at you. And now this leads to my my last point. And this one. We understand the concept, but it's difficult. The only way to conquer evil 
is by doing good. The only way to overcome evil is not by promoting evil back or hurting back, but the only way to overcome the enemy in your life, the bullies in your life, the people that want to control you is by doing good. Saul wasn't done with David. In fact, he sent a lot of his special troops against David. First Samuel chapter 24, verses two through four. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds. And Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. Listen, he took a potty break, okay? Saul went into the cave, took a potty break. Some scholars even believe he took a nap. But look at the scenario here. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the cave. Now, David's friends start to whisper to him, hey, here's your opportunity. Here it is. Look what the Lord has set up for you. Your enemy, the one that kept throwing the spear at your head, he is here. We can attack him and take him down. They whispered. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. And then they said to do with him as you wish. What they were saying to David is that now is the time to take revenge. God has set this all up to take revenge. But there's a bigger question here, a deep moral question to ask. Was this an opportunity for God to take down David's enemy? Or was this an opportunity to test David to see what kind of king he would become? And so I want to reveal this to you today is that sometimes the opportunities in your life are actually a test to reveal your character. The opportunities that come your way are actually a test to reveal what's on the inside of you. Have you given those insecurities over to the Lord or are there still some things on the inside waiting to scratch the surface? And a lot of us would say, well, I would never do that. I would never make that wrong decision like this person did. I would never hurt them like these people did. Yeah, but you just haven't had the opportunity. You haven't had the opportunity where nobody else would know. And if the opportunity is before you, it is actually a test to reveal what is in your heart. And so revenge is now whispering to David, what kind of king will you be? What kind of king are you going to be in this moment, David? Are you going to take what is yours, all right? Are you going to do that Bible thing and trust the Lord instead? Um. You remember last week I told you, we asked the question, how do I know that God is speaking to me? How do I know that God is telling me to do something? And I told you that um, when God speaks over your life, it would never go against his word. It would never go against his character. Did you actually hear what his friends said? Verse four, let's look at it again. They said, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. That sounds like God. All right, God's gonna hand over my enemies, but notice the last line here. And you can do to him as you wish. You see that? Do whatever you want. Do your will. Instead of God's will, just do what you want to do. And this is how the enemy will twist scripture in our life. He puts a little promise, a little word of God right before us that sounds good. And then he says, do what you want to do. Go ahead and take advantage of the situation. God has placed him here, David. Take him out and steal the robe. And so that's how the enemy twists the word of God, that's how his friends were twisting the word of God. And then David said something kind of weird. All right, David is crawling closer and closer to Saul. And I imagine his friends are like, all right, he's going to get him. He's going to get him. And all of a sudden, he just cuts off part of his robe, a little corner of his robe. And I imagine his friends are like, what did he just do? Like, he's coming back. He's cr- you, you didn't kill him. Go back. You know what I mean? David only cut off a little corner of Saul's robe, and then he felt guilty about it. Why? Look at this. 
1 Samuel 24, 5 through 7. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. Meaning, I understand right now, I don't like Saul. Saul has tried to hurt me over and over again. But for whatever reason, I trust God and God is still allowing him in this position. So I'm not going to be the one to take him out. He said, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. And so reading the story, I want to be be like, David, what's your problem? You've had enemies before that you've killed. What is the difference now? And here's the revelation. David understood that the robe represented his future. That was his anointing. One day he's going to wear that robe. What kind of king would you be? God cares about how you get to the promise. God cares if you're doing things the right way or if you're cutting corners to get the things that you want in the moment. And see, David had a choice to make right here, just like he did with the spear. I could throw the spear back. He didn't. He trusted the Lord. And now we can kill King Saul. But he has to make a choice. Okay, do I trust the Lord that God will give me this position at the right time? Or I do things my way, and I kill him right now. But there might be some blood stains on the new fit. It might taint everything that I've been working hard for and believing God in my life. David understood this is so important. I pray that you get this revelation today. The way you close a door determines how the next door will open in your life. The way you close a door in your life determines how the next door will open in your life. And right now, you may be in a job that you hate, working for a boss you don't like, but still, the way you close the door determines how the next door will open. If you leave in a way where you taint everything and you're angry at people and you call them names, guess what? That's the next door you're entering to. David understood, okay, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna honor you, Lord. And then I know when I walk away, you will honor me in the right position at the right time. If the door is closed, it's meant to be closed for a reason. Again, allow God to open up the doors at the right time. If it's closed, it's not the right direction or it's not for right now but we like to justify, but they hurt me. I want this. I spoke this over me and they hurt me over and over again. And I'm telling you, how you take something matters to God. People have boasted about a relationship where this relationship came from God, but you had an affair to get there. Or this position came from God, but at the same time, you, you cheated people out of that position. Or this fame came from God, but yet you sold your soul to the world to look just like the world, to get what you have. The way you get there matters to God. The opportunity is a test to reveal what's really in your heart. Do you want it now or do you trust God? What are you going to do? The difference between David and Saul is that David repented of his sins and he gave it over to the Lord instead of taking it out on people. Now listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 7 through 12. This is crazy to me. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him 
Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you could see with your own eyes, isn't it true? For the Lord has placed you at my mercy back at the cave. Some of the men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I would never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Now listen to this, verse 12. David understood this concept. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. I'm going to let God handle this situation. I'm going to let God handle you. I'm going to move on in peace. That's what forgiveness does. So let me also say like this. Revenge tells us to serve our purpose. Forgiveness tells us to serve God's purpose. Revenge will always tell you to serve your own purpose, your own will. But forgiveness tells us to serve God's purpose. God's going to handle them for me. Why can't I just get revenge, though? Spiritually, you know what happens when you take revenge? When you take revenge, you declare yourself to be the judge. When you condemn other people, you make yourself feel like the higher authority, and one day you're going to have to face the real judge. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 says, do not judge others self-righteously, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant, and you will not be condemned for being a hypocrite. And I saw, I saw a video this week. It used to be an old student of mine, and um, she posted this on TikTok, and she said with tears down her face, it's really hard to love people like Jesus sometimes. And it just really hit me, especially preparing this message today. That God is prepping you to love people who don't like you, that come after you, that throw things at you, insults you, and tries to take you out. And it's so hard to say, I know, I know the right thing. I know I should act like Jesus, but it also feels like they're getting away with everything and having everything that they want. And I'm over here just suffering, listening to the Lord, waiting on God's timing. And I know that if I judge them, then I'm placing myself in judgment. I'm not a judge. I'm not perfect. But it hurts. Especially to those that you have served and given everything over to. And the Lord showed me this verse and over and over again, when it comes to the subject of revenge and hurting back, this verse has given me so much peace. Um, I've read it before, but I'm going to dive a little deeper into the ending part. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God instead. For the scriptures say that the Lord will take revenge that Adonai will pay them back. That's the Lord. That's Yahweh. That you don't have to take revenge because he truly is a just judge and you can hand the situation over to him. That's what David understood even though Saul came after him and came after him and came after him over and over again. How did Saul die? He died by his own sword. Isn't that ironic? His own life killed him because he kept running away from God running away from everything that God spoke over his life. And then David, 
was always protected. More armies came to help David serve David. And when he returned back to the palace, now he was the king in the right timing. And when he wore that robe, he understood now it's not tainted because I listened to the Lord. Give it over to the Lord. Now, that's where we like to stop, and that's where I'd like to stop. But there's more to it as well. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, meaning they will feel foolish for attacking you after you've shown them kindness and love and grace. And then the very last line, I love this. Don't let evil conquer you. Revenge is evil. Revenge can taint you. Don't let the evil consume you. Don't let it conquer you. And the only way you can overcome evil is by doing good. By giving it over to the Lord even when they hurt you and trust that he's doing something in the situation. And so I want you to stand up right here. And I got a very real question before you leave today. And I want you to think about this question. My question is this, who are you? Are you Saul or are you David? Are you Saul, meaning are you facing insecurities right now on the inside and you're taking it out on the people you need the most? The people that you love and you're running away from God trying to control everything and everything is falling apart. If that is you today, I'm telling you, you can run to Jesus and everything can change. For all the promises that Jesus spoke is available for you, but you have to run to him. Don't be like Saul who wanted to please people more than God. And he kept running away until his life was ended. Or let me ask you this, are you David? You're doing the right thing. But you feel attacked after an attack after an attack and you're just tired of it. And you're saying, God, I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to deal with these people and the insults that they're speaking towards me. And I want to encourage you today, David always listened to the Lord. He had a heart after the Lord. And because he followed God, remember that at the right time, God led him back to the palace. But this time he was king. God still has a position for you, a promise for your life, a blessing for you. And you keep following him. But listen, what will taint everything is if you hold on to revenge. Because revenge will keep you stuck where God is telling you to move out of. Telling you to grow out of. It's time to keep moving. Stop staying stuck right here. That happened 10 years ago. I know they hurt you. Give it over to the Lord and move past it. It's time. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.